nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up, there's nothing you know the boy says. I am here, another episode, with always, the great TJ. What's up? What's up? How are you? I'm good. Good, good. I'm excited for another show. Yes. A little bit different uh, drinking material tonight. Normally we have our coffee. So tonight we are doing an evening show, and on the show we're actually drinking a little bit of whiskey. So uh, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm actually more excited for our guest, a very good friend of mine. Um, amazing story. And he is a uh, incredible human being. He um, not only because he's my friend, but our guest today. He is a recon marine, retired gunnery sergeant. He served as a police officer, detective, SWAT, and he has medically retired from the uh, the law enforcement. And he's currently employed with a federal agency. My good friend Louis Schwartz. What's going on, my man? Not much, brother. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks very much for the whiskey, too. This is great. So, little little backstory. Louis lying about whiskey. Uh, we just got him turned on to this stuff. And now he's been drinking, but he, now he's starting to learn about it. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? <laughs> so glad to have you on the show. Thanks again. Yeah. So um, happy to be here. Give people, if you don't mind, just a little background on your on your military experience, and uh, we can get into that stuff. Okay, cool. I joined the Marines immediately after high school and went after duty. Uh, did five years active duty, uh, 17 years in the reserves. As far as my deployments are concerned, I did uh, two deployments on ship. They're called West Packs. Uh, once when I was in the infantry, working as an uh, anti-tank assault man, and then the second time uh, as a recon Marine supporting the infantry, and on uh, both deployments, hit the hit Southeast Asia and also the Middle East prior to 9/11. So we got to hit a lot of ports. Uh, operational security is rather low back then. And then um, went to Iraq in 2003 for the invasion, which uh, was amazing because it completely contradicted all the war movies I've ever seen. Really? Oh yeah, it totally shattered my reality. And then uh, second time um, I went back to Iraq was in 0708 and. Uh, Still a recon marine, but this time I was serving as a joint terminal air controller. So I controlled all the aircraft within the area and brought them to the fight. Because of the restricted rules of engagement, never allowed to drop any bombs. Uh, but at the same time, though, used them a lot for um, uh, non-traditional intelligence surveillance as reconnaissance. So we were able to use them a lot during uh, the missions prior to and afterwards. And then uh, my last deployment, I was an operations chief and uh, chief CQB advisor for a uh, country in Latin America. And uh, they liked what I did over there, so they invited me to the Bahamas. Ooh. And I was there for three weeks as the chief CQB instructor. Wow. And thankfully, they had no room in the barracks, so they uh, put us up in an all-inclusive suite. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Now, for a lot of people that don't know, what was your primary, like, like your first, when 2003, you said that that changed everything. Yes. Why, though? Like, what about it? Uh, because there's such a thing called the fog of war. And so many times you're out there, you have no idea what's going on. Uh, you have no idea where the friendlies are. You have no idea where the enemy's at. There's really um, just a lot of miscommunication going around. And, uh, you know, you get past it. You have to get past it. It's a matter of survival and uh, making sure that uh, it's, you're decreasing the probability of what's called blue on blue, which is friendly fire. And we all know that friendly fire is not friendly whatsoever. So... Um, 
It, it was just a, a, a new experience in that it's not all glorious and glamorous. There are people that get hurt. There are people that die. And sadly enough, there are people, too, that, uh, you know, get caught in between. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, kids getting shot up, and that broke my heart. It really did. And you don't see that in a lot of war movies. You see just the bad guys going down and, you know, good guys being you know heroic and raising arms up in there triumphantly. And, yay, he made it home. But it's not always like that. So. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are military, my, my, my father, a lot of guys that have done different deployments and even, even with you. Um, I know a lot of the stories that happen that aren't told stay with you. Um, and I know you've got, you've had numerous um, deployments and when you've gone out and you've done different, different tasks. How do you deal with some of those things that you've, you've encountered? Just not even uh, what you've seen, but like what, what you've had to go through personally. It's tough. You have to maintain a positive mentality. You just remind, remind yourself that there are people depending on you, uh, in which case, you know, my family, they did it upon me for, uh, for strength. And of course, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, they rely on me as well. And so I couldn't let them down. I felt that by giving up and letting everything just overtake me, I was letting them down. Uh, but you know, let, let's be honest here. I suffer from a depression. You know this prior to all this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I just was wondering why I was so emotional and I withdrawn quite a few times. And then I started taking antidepressant medication. Oh my God, my world just opened up. But uh, there's still PTSD. And a lot of people don't like to talk about it because they feel like they're weaker for it for some reason or other. Um, I met a lot of uh, you know, first sergeants, gunnery sergeants, sergeants major that are out there and they're on antidepressant medication. And there's nothing wrong about it. You know, take it, take it. Um, but we're so afraid to talk about it these days. And as far as PTSD, I, I still suffer from it. I'm very hypervigilant. Um, it affects my sleep. I have to sleep with uh, earplugs because any noise just constantly wakes me up and I'm ready to go. I mean, I don't run downstairs with a rifle or anything, but it just wakes me up because my heart rate going. And then uh, I have difficulty going back to sleep. So now with, um, you know, earplugs. I don't need sleep medication. I just fall right back asleep. In addition to that, uh, I'll, I'll throw it out here, survivor's guilt. You go out there, you do your deployments, uh, especially like me. I'm not a Purple Heart recipient. Never got shot. Uh, never got hit by shrapnel. Uh, but yet lost a lot of friends and a lot of good friends. You have to ask yourself, why? Why me? Why me? And you can let this plague you uh, and just get you down. But really and truly, you have to get, you have to get past it. And uh, now I feel like I have to live my life for them. I owe it to them. At the same time, stop feeling sorry for myself and uh, constantly remind myself not to give up. You know, I owe it to them. And uh, not to take their sacrifices for granted. And whatever you do, just live life to honor them. And that's what I try to do each and every single day. You know, my son, Sean, he's named after one of my best friends who died in Iraq. And uh, it's... I know that uh, my buddy, Captain Sean Brock, would be proud of it. Um, PTSD is a very serious condition, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that PTSD can be associated to a lot of different things. Um, Can you give us a little description of what PTSD is? Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. It could affect people differently. Uh, A lot of people, it's depression. Some people act out in anger. Uh, Just lack of emotional control for some people a lot of people it's insecurities and even though they may not uh openly exhibit those symptoms 
a lot of times they're suffering in, inside. Uh, one of my good friends, and uh, God, he's one of my greatest mentors too. He's uh, just an amazing man. I, I don't want to throw his name out there, just out of respect for his family and all, but uh, a lot of people looked up to him. He was a Marine Corps officer. He was just a great person, just kind of like a pillar of strength. And whenever he was in a room, it just a command presence would just motivate the hell out of you. And he was a type of commander where he actually knew your name. He knew all about you, knew your background, how many kids you had, because he actually cared about the troops. If there's any uh, you know, training exercises or any missions, he'd always be out there in the front leading by example. And we thought he had it all. He really did. He was, uh, again, the pillar of strength for all of us. But nobody knew that he was hurting inside. And uh, he ended up taking his life. And it was a split second decision, I guess, uh, from what uh, I was told. But uh, yeah, he took his life. And if something, something like that could take him down, it could take down a lot of people. It could take down, even me, if you don't seek help. You can't fight it on your own, as he proved. As he proved. So now I reached out to a lot of friends and they reach out to me and it's, it's a great support network. And is it easy for people in the military to get help that have been through these kind of things? I, I won't say easy. The opportunities are there. They are abundant. Uh, whether or not you take advantage of those opportunities, is that's yeah. the hard part. I, I know, like my dad, you know, he, he fought in Vietnam. And he's still dealing with a lot of this stuff. And he never had any, any it's funny, I, you know, obviously I've known my, my father my whole life. And he's just recently started talking about things that he's, he's kept inside for so long and it's starting to affect him now. And you know, a lot of, even fighters, fighters have a lot of things that they go through in their career that you know, they've let everybody know. Obviously this is a much deeper thing when you're coming back from uh, the service and you're going through you know, people that are passing, people that you're seeing uh, die. And I'm sure, I, I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. Um, but for you getting deployed, coming back, going out again, coming back, going out. Do you get numb to, to constantly being out there with, with, with those tasks at hand? Yeah, I, I guess you kind of do. Um, my second deployment was a little easier uh, insofar that it, it's gonna sound like it's fake bravado, but uh, it, it's, it's really not. And some people think it's kind of a, a way of mentally giving up, but every single morning I woke up, I was like, well, today's the day I'm gonna die. And so you go on out there and you're not so afraid of IEDs. You're still looking around for the threats. Don't get me wrong. Don't take anything for granted. But you're not flinching every single thing and you're a lot more focused on what you, have to, what you have to do. And then every single night you go to bed, just, hey, thank God for another good, great day and let's see what tomorrow brings. And uh, that wears on you after a while. So I guess in a way you do kind of get numb. You do kind of accept it. It's not giving up, but it's just more or less, I'm going to concentrate in the now. Um. But when it's something that becomes a habit, right? Like, I mean, over 17 years, like, this becomes your, your lifestyle. Like, this is what you do. This yeah. is what you know. And becomes your identity. Yeah, it becomes your identity. Absolutely. Now, this is where fighting can absolutely relate to. And this is the question that I have is when it's done, right? When you're done with the military or you're done with anything else, how do you maintain Louis, the identity that's not the military fighter? It was tough. Um, somebody had to bring it up to me uh, when I actually medically retired from the, the police department uh, and they told me that the badge should not make you, you made the badge 
you gave the badge a life. And the same thing with that rank that you put on. And you'll find a lot of jackasses, um, you know, throughout the military, any branch of service. And uh, some tough guys, and they put on the, the E7 gunnery sergeant, they become instant badasses in their own mind. And they start yelling and yelling at people, treating them like dirt, uh, being very condescending. And you get those that want to mentor people. And that's the path I took. Because I knew that all it takes one guy just to knock me the hell out. <laughs> and it's true. There goes all my credibility. But I also knew, too, that uh, I didn't like being put down as a subordinate. And I did my best not to do that to my guys. So knowing that, um, I could look back and think that, yeah, I actually gave that rank life. It's funny that you touched on this. It's one of the big things that we talk about, not only just in, in the show, but I talk about this with my students, with people that I, I, I mentor as well, is that concept of having mentors and becoming a mentor. It's so important for people to find people around them that know what they're going through, that can actually relate. There's so many positives that come out of being able to confide in somebody that say, okay, he understands at least, maybe not what I'm going through directly, but can guide through the path. And going through what you've gone through, has that? Have you seen that been able to help people? Yeah, yeah. It, Even if it's one person. Mm -hmm. Oh, tremendously. I have no idea that the people that I've impacted until I got out. It's it's kind of rare to have like some PFC or Lance Corporal. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the military rank, that's uh, you know E two, E three, and I was at E seven at the time. It's pretty rare for them to just approach an E seven and say, "Oh, you're my mentor," or "I look up to you," because that just kind of sounds like you're being a kiss ass. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes that. Um, and so when I got out, though, I had a lot of people reaching out to me and thanking me for being the person that I was, the leader that I was, the mentor that I was. And that's when I realized that I, I truly made a positive impact on people. When people thanked you for being a leader for them did you know that you were being a leader to people when you were doing the things that you like that made you feel like you just had to do this outside of like maybe yeah. maybe your team that you work with but i'm sure there's plenty of other people that reached out to you that you had like you said you had no yeah. idea that impacted them yeah true i was trying to fill the role to the best of my capacity make sure i'm accountable for all my truths make sure i'm accountable for the mission and look out for the welfare really and truly but um as far as being uh, the mentor I want to lead them. I didn't want to mentor them. Did I know that, uh, you know, I met all those objectives? Not really, not until afterwards. And, you know, they're able to give me some, uh, some feedback. How does that make positive. you feel now? Very proud. And it make, made the, the transition out of the military, even on law enforcement, a lot easier. I think that's a big, big word, that transition, because a lot of athletes go through that hard part where there's the life of an athlete and there's life after an athlete. And that transition is where a lot of people fall into the depression because they lose their identity. And I can only imagine what happens with like military or, or even a lot of careers that when you go from one person that you've known for so long and everybody sees you as this person and all of a sudden that, that title or whatever that, that, that image that you have of yourself is no longer there. How do you transition to that next person, that next version of yourself that you don't completely lose your identity. And I could absolutely see that being a, a hard thing, especially coming back from, from military. Um, 17 years, I know that's been a long time. So did you retire from the military on your own will? No, not necessarily. Um, well, you know, I've, I've had some heart issues um, 
all throughout the military, I ate healthy, but I always had high cholesterol. I always fought it, never could never understand it, but nobody thought much of it because I was always in shape. Um, and so it caught up to me. And, uh, you know, it dropped me and started to kind of take this off in a different direction here, but, you know, kind of talk a little about my health. Oh, yeah, for and, sure, yeah. Because that has a big part in my transition. Um, you st- I felt like a... I felt like somebody was sitting on my chest and my left arm went numb. And this is when I was over at uh, doing Tough Mudder. And I was up in Big Bear, up in elevation, 35 degrees out. And uh, so jogging, pressing her chest, I'm thinking to myself, suck it up. Come on, Gunny, suck it up. Let's go, keep running. So I'm jogging, trying to get rid of this, uh, this pain or just get past it. And then my left arm starts you know, hurting and I ignore it and keep going. And I thought it was gas. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I went to the I went to the outhouse and just tried to let one out, but I already purged everything. So like, okay, this is a moot point. And uh, thankfully for me, my uh, my running team consisted of people that just graduated from the paramedic course. So they saw the symptoms. I didn't. I was in denial. And then once my left arm went numb, that's when they sent me my ass on a truck and said, you know what, you're done. And they told me what it was—a heart attack. I was in denial. Didn't believe it. And I had that night and uh, several more afterwards to kind of contemplate, oh my God, what's this gonna do to my career? Both of them, both in the Marine Corps Reserves because I was still doing deployments and also in law enforcement. Where, where in your, your military career did that heart attack happen? Uh, shoot, it's probably about uh, 2010, I think. So as far as... Uh, Year-wise, like right, right before my last deployment. Okay, so you'd already been in the service for for a long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Already had myself, for the most part, relatively established. So, would you say that, like, when this happened and they started putting a lot of focus on on your health, that you had accomplished a lot of the things that you wanted to as a marine? I did, but not everything. That instantly put uh, put a halt on a lot of things. Um, there are a lot of courses I still want to go to, a lot of things I want to do, a lot of other deployments that I had an opportunity to go on. And I kind of want to just kind of hit all the wickets before, because, uh, you know, everybody's got a biological time clock. Yeah. Your body can't last forever. Oh, I know. <laughs> and so I want to hit it all, and I, I just put it, it's like hitting an emergency brake. I couldn't jump out of airplanes anymore. I couldn't dive anymore. I was no longer what they call deployable. So that meant that I was kind of a, a liability risk and I had to keep an eye on me and I had to stay in country. And is that how you transitioned into being a police officer? I was already a police officer. You were already a police officer? Yes. Before. Okay. And I wanted to hide it from my uh, department at the time, but you have to be completely honest with them. Right. You have to disclose everything. So I told them they're in disbelief. And, but they're very supportive too. So when I went to get my, uh, I have four stints now, but my first two stints, I went to get my... Uh, angiogram followed by the angioplasty uh, a lot of people from the police department were there and they were there in the hallways you know just in uniform and some of them kind of being cheesy saluting me and all and so I being pushed down the <laughs> down the hallway in the gurney but uh it was nice in knowing that i still had their support that's awesome and how long were you uh were you like with the law enforcement 10 years 10 years wow mm-hmm. so 17 years military 10 years police uh law enforcement and then, I mean, that goes of a large gamut of different uh, fields that you've been in. Mm-hmm. Um, and how? And with that, I know you you retired from that as well, not on your, what you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things I wanted to do in the police department I didn't get opportunity to do. I was only a detective for the last year, and that's mainly because uh, the chief and just out of respect for these people, I won't mention their names, but uh, a chief who's also one of my mentors, 
greatest mentors. He actually kept me around. And he's like, what do you want to do while you transition out? And that was great because it uh, allowed me to kind of start moving, focusing my attention onto other things and realizing that, okay, this is very limited here. So I said I want to be, become, be a detective. And he knew that too. And he's kind of just asking me. And so he plays me in the detective bureau. Okay, let's see what you got. And he gave me some crappy cases in the beginning. Some really crappy cases. Like go find the cat in the tree? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mrs., Mrs. Crawfield has a, uh, another call. Baby mama's saying that, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, baby daddy stole her ATM card and took $200. Okay, go solve it. Like, come on, dude, really? <laughs> you know the district attorney's not going to accept this. But, uh, you know, I, I shut my mouth. I did it. And I worked all the missing persons reports. And... I managed to close out a lot of cases, and then from there, it started giving me more and more cases, and uh, I found out that I love investigations, and so that's kind of what I do now with the federal federal government, but um, I'm very grateful because he allowed me the opportunity to transition out. Um, when you retired from the law enforcement, that was, that was health as well, right? Yes. That was, a medi- that was the actual medical retirement itself. That was actually oh, wow. With the military, um, I just retired because I, I hit... I hit that ceiling because of the medication I was taking, blood thinners, basically. Um, I wasn't allowed to go to a certain leadership course to allow you to get promoted. So I'm stuck there as an E7 for life. Like, okay, I'm going to retire from this. Uh, in the police department, I had no choice. I came back from deployment. I did a medical screen in order to get back. And that's when the city uh, doctor found out that I was taking blood thinners. He's like, well, how long have you been taking them for? I'm like, last five years. <laughs> It's like, great, I want to see your medical records. And that's when he found out about not just that heart attack, but the heart attack I suffered on the last appointment. And then also even, I guess, a third mini heart attack. Wow. But it was enough to drop me and it was enough for the city to finally take notice. So how has that been going from two separate long-term careers that you've been essentially taken away from due to medical issues? How has that like kept your mind doing, man, like... How do I keep going? How do I keep aspiring to things? It was it was rough, um, you know. You know, I complain to you. I, I suffer silently. You know, don't bitch, don't whine about it. But you know, you and I have had a several heart to heart sessions and discussed it. Uh, but same note, though, um, <laughs> transition is another subject, I guess. Is that uh, you always hear that uh, that saying, "Jujitsu saved my life," and it saved mine because I had a constructive outlet for all the energy that I had before, all the negative emotions I had before, I was finally able to find a place where I could release it and be myself. That was my, that was the key to my transition right there. And you think that that's been a a staple in what's allowed you to find, find happiness in in everything that you've done? Oh, without a doubt. Really? And my wife notices it too. She's very supportive. Uh, There's been times when I'll be sitting on the couch, it gets grumpy, getting on the kids, um, just being a total jerk. And she'll look at me, she's like, honey, you need to go to jujitsu, get your ass kicked. So there I go, <laughs> packing my stuff in my car, grab Maggie, drive on over here for an in- evening class and roll with you and get my butt kicked. Um, people don't realize the, the effect that jujitsu has on you um, until you get out there and do it. You know, there's nothing more humbling than having just however long that, that session is to just forget about everything going on get beat up or beat you know your your teammates up and then all of a sudden yeah you still have to go back and deal with the emotions but it's with a new approach it's it's it's, it's you had a moment of clarity where everything's kind of clean for a second and then you can kind of go okay maybe it wasn't so bad hmm. um yeah jiu-jitsu i think 
is on the same page with you with, with I know with me you to save my life on many other different different ways but that's what kind of bonds all of us together is that that's what we come and we find we find the commonality through that and we're like wow okay it doesn't matter what you've been through or what you're going through we, we train jiu-jitsu and all of yeah. a sudden it's about jiu-jitsu it's not about anything else and um it's funny for me jiu-jitsu i forget about all the things that i wanted to do in my career you know there's a lot of stuff same thing that i wish i would have done um is there is there a lot of stuff that you you think about like if you could would you go back into the military would you go back into uh law enforcement I think going back to law enforcement would be a lot more realistic than going back to than going back to the the military. Uh, you know that time's kind of come and gone, and uh, there's been some great people out there that have um, filled in my shoes, and they've done a great job. And uh, there's they they took off, they skyrocketed, they really did. And really and truly, my body's broken, man. <laughs> I didn't realize until I got the jujitsu. My body is broken, so it's it was a reality check. But I still have dreams, you know, about about going back to law enforcement. I miss being a cop. I miss being a detective. I miss interacting with the community as much as I did, and and, and being a cop out here, working with a lot of people, uh, business owners, a lot of the residents, uh, even people in my police department, which are amazing, amazing mentors of mine uh, and great friends. Uh, I miss it tremendously, but. It's you can only look back so much. Yeah. Look back, take pride, and just start marching on. He's got a new future. But when you see something like a conflict happening between like us and, and another country, and you see like deployments going out and your friends going out, mm -hmm. do you does it like fire up? Because I know with me, when I watch certain fights happen, you know, even though I'm the same way, I'm I'm broken. Like my body, mm -hmm. my body hurts. I I just fought recently just so I can you know prove to myself and that I could still do it. You did which, a great job, by the way. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. But that was me. Just okay. I needed to go out on my own shield. You know, I wanted to know that I could I could do this again. But the problem well, the problem and the reality is this: I could watch a fight right now. I could watch the best guys fighting for the world title, and I my mind starts going that I could be there. That should be me. Like I get mm -hmm. fired. I'm like, I need to start training. I'm going to, and then I, and then reality kicks in. I'm like, dude, you can't even walk through the doors <laughs> uh, standing up straight, but that fire is always there. And I don't know if it's ever going to go away. Mm -hmm. And I, I could only assume that it's pretty much, it'll probably be the same way. And you have to combat that all the time and say, Hey, it's okay to no longer be in the front lines anymore. It's like, Oh yeah. You, you have to be okay with that. You have to come to terms with the fact that you've lived it. You've done it. And it's okay to give that to other people and you could still do things that make you happy and it doesn't have to be connected to that version of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Every single time I, I see something that really motivates me, especially in the military, you know, I'll decide to test myself. Let's go out on a long run. Let's go on a six mile run up and down hills. Yes, let's do this. And uh, probably about the first two miles, I'm like, oh my God, I still got it, I still got it. Mile three, I'm starting to feel it. Mile five and six, I'm going to make it all the way through. I'm not going to quit, but that's when my sciatica kicks in. That's when I start limping. That's when I start feeling my age and <laughs> slowing down tremendously. And uh, there's a, a saying from Dr. Seuss. Forgive me if I'm destroying it, but it's something like, uh, um, don't be sad for what you've lost. Be happy for what you had. And I had to constantly think about that and, you know, it, it was a great career. It really was. But I'm still Louis Schwartz. I'm still marching on. 
And, uh, you know, they're great people that filled in my shoes. Everything that you've gone through, would you say has made you be the person you are today? Yes. Especially the positive influences I had in the military. I've had, and even the law enforcement too. Uh, God, there's so, so many great people that uh, just really had an impact on me. And uh, really brought out my true potential. And I learned that just when you think you can't, have, you can't handle anymore, continue on, push on. I can't run anymore. Well, you're still complaining about it. You're still running, so run. Right. Um, you start slowing down, and the rest of your guys have to slow down in order to keep up with you. Well, you're slowing down the rest of the team. Push on. Um, I am upset. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I want to complain. No, suffer silently just like everybody else. March on. And so I still try to maintain that same mentality. And uh, I'm grateful for the influence they had on me because I'm still able to keep on with it today. Yeah, I think um, it's an amazing thing to be able to realize, you know, that, that you've got people that were pushing you. And so now because of that, it allows you to have that mentality of like, no, I can't stop. I have to keep going. And I think that's where the mentors really come in, whether people realize that they're being a mentor to somebody or not, that that's where that influence comes in. And, you know, a lot of people, I know myself included, you know, I've had moments where we go through things in life and we think that the world's going to be over now. And I know every hardship I've been through has allowed me to be who I am today and has allowed me to have the mindset that I have today yeah. and has also allowed me to be able to like want to find out about people, people's stories. I mean, that's really what, what we do on the show is like, I, I'm so intrigued by people's stories. I want to find out about the mind. I want to know, I want to know the, the back end, you know, like so many of us live every single day living by the headlines, you know, and there's so much more to life than just the headlines. It's the story behind it. And I think mentors are the people that allow us to continue the story. Um, well, let's talk about you for a second, <laughs> all right? <laughs> and now talking about me. Um, I came here a long time ago uh, just because, uh, you know, our mutual friend Danny told me to come on in and say, hey, why don't you meet my friend Chad George? And he's got a gym now that we own together. And uh, hey, go train. I'm like, all right, Roger that. Let's do this. And I got to meet you and I realized, you know, you're not like a, a, a typical instructor where you just, I'm going to go teach you a move. You do it. Okay, I'll roll with you. And in class, goodbye. You still engage with the students. You're still mentoring them. And it's not just about jujitsu. It's about having a positive mindset. So you're incorporating that into the entire lesson plan. And that's what attracted me to this place. And I think had it been, I don't know, Mick Dojo. I would have stepped in, been here about a month and gone. And my tr transition would have been uh, a lot worse. So you in many ways are, are my mentor. Well, I appreciate it, brother. And, I, I really do. And, you know, um, whether you know it or not, you've had a lot of impact on, on my life as well. You know, I'm, I'm very thankful to have you as, as uh, such a close friend in my life. And, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to have many more stories to share down the road, hopefully they're not, you know, war stories, <laughs> um, but you know, many more stories and I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of things that we're gonna have to overcome. And for me, when I teach, that's why I'm so passionate about the way I teach because I know what it's done for me. I know what it's allowed me to overcome and I know it's allowed so many other people to overcome. Everybody has stories, everybody mm -hmm. does. And we all have the ability to overcome them. Like whatever our past is, it doesn't define us. What defined us- It is, refines us. Yeah, absolutely, I actually I love that. It doesn't, it doesn't define us, it refines us. Because you're, you're right, 
whatever already happens already happened. I mean, that doesn't affect anything from the past. That's already mm -hmm. done. But we still have the choice to, to determine what happens moving forward. And that's why I teach the way I do, because I'm so passionate about letting people see the same reality of that that I did and so many other people. And jiu-jitsu teaches us that. To me, jiu-jitsu is so important because one other times in life do you get a chance to say, I quit, let's go again. Yeah. Right? And, that, that's, mm -hmm. and that's, that's so true because our ego is so congested with everything around us. But in jiu-jitsu, in, in an hour, hour and a half class, how many times do you literally have to say, I quit? In, in an open role. I mean, if you're rolling with good guys, you know, or if, if Louis's rolling with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I say quit every five seconds as I'm tapping, yeah. <laughs> but the point is, it allows us to realize that it's okay to fail. It's okay to lose. It's okay to take those, those hits as long as we can learn from it and we don't have the same thing happen again. And that's why people's stories, I'm so intrigued by, by the people who have overcame so much. Like, like you, I mean, you've done so much in your life and you have you have an amazing family and you've Thank your you. stories inspire so many other people and i still think you're just getting started you know i mean it's it's, it's just it's the way my mind works i don't look at anything that that what we've done is what defines like what we are going to do as as a legacy our legacy is going to be defined by what we do right now and how we start propelling ourselves and so many people go oh well i don't know what's left you of course you don't know what's left because you haven't developed anything further than who you are right now. Yeah, you go out there and find yourself. If you have to reinvent yourself, reinvent yourself. As long as it's genuine. Yes. And, and I think that's where the, the problems come in is that, especially when people transition from careers, they are trying to become people that the, those around them want them to be, not who they want to be. And a lot of times I think it's hard when you lose your identity from one, one career, you don't know who you are. And that's where the problems come in. You don't know who uh, that that person who is a, a an all star uh, athlete is after that. You don't know who that person is that was was the military leader. You don't know who that person is from the the best salesperson uh, in in their their business. Once it's done, it's like, well, yeah, you have to start over, but with the tools that you've developed from the past. You know, I, I use this analogy a lot. Is it's climbing a mountain. You know, like. If you've never climbed the mountain, you don't know what tools you need to climb the mountain. True. And as soon as you go climb the mountain, you might get, depending on how big that thing is, you might get to a certain point and go, fuck, I need different shoes. So then you climb back down, you go get the shoes, then you come back up and you go, oh man, now it's even further. I need whatever supplies I need. And it's, just, it's an ongoing battle of process. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means you need more tools. Yeah. And by the time you even get further, you go, you know, I don't even want to climb this mountain anymore. There's another, there's another mountain that I want to climb. And I, I just, I'm so amazed when I see people overcome such amazing things. And um, your story, I know a lot of people can relate to because there's so many military people. And I'm just gonna use that as an example that, that suffer from PTSD and they suffer from coming back from war and they suffer from all these things. And suffer from the transition, not knowing who they are once yeah, they get out. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't know, well, I just take it back. They do know where to go but their ego won't allow them to, mm -hmm. you know, because they're like, oh, I got this. I can take care of this. And that's not the case. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important for people like yourself to know that the impact that you have on those people. And I think it's an incredible job that you're doing for those around you. And even with the people here, I mean, you're, 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 you're a coach to the kids here at our, at our academy. That is fun. And I mean, that's something I'm sure you never thought you were going to do. 
No, would, not at all. You know, you never thought when you were getting out of uh, <laughs> out of law enforcement that you were going to be teaching kids jujitsu. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, and I and I mean, I'm sure that has an impact on you as well. Am I right? It, it does. It does. It allows me to be the mentor again that I want to be. And my kids are in the class, and I get to mentor them as well. It, it, that is fun. But let's let's kind of go back a little bit and talking about the transition and and just you know finding inner strength. I think a lot of strength comes from seeking out a support network and how do you do that hopefully it's a positive support network try to find like-minded people out there you know you're not going to find the help you need at the bottom of a, a bottle or a bottom of a pill bottle look around for people that are you know have the same interests as you and you and i had jujitsu you introduced me to jujitsu and i enjoyed it and i kind of find out that you know yeah there aren't combat, many combat veterans here but at the same time, we have a lot more in common, just that alone. And they have their own angst, their own anxieties. And a lot of times they relate exactly to what I'm, I'm you know, going through at the time. And we're able to kind of just work off each other and find a solutions because you, you can't do it alone. Just like when you train for a fight, you don't do it alone. You have an entire team. And that's why whenever you come back and said, hey, we won. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it has to be a team effort. Life is a team effort. We can't survive this thing alone. We can't. And that's when we start getting into our own mind. And our own mind, that thing can go south so fast. And I've seen it with people very close to me, as I'm sure you have as well, as you've discussed. And community is everything. If you can build a strong community of people that are supporting each other, there's only one direction, and that's that's to success. Yes. You know, and like for me, that's one of the things we promote at the academy is that I want you to have the same desire for the person next to you to have the same amount of the success as they want for you. And that's what really what we do at the school. And I don't want to get into a whole like promotional thing for the academy, mm-hmm. but I think that's, if you could find that, whether it's one person or, or a whole community, you're going to start seeing things differently. And that's all it takes. It takes you just to change one little thing about your mentality and everything in your life can change. Yeah. What's something that you can give to, to our listeners out there that have gone through the similar things that you have on ways that they can start becoming stronger mentally, maybe ways that they can get help, or maybe just anything that you can give them as advice that that's helped you? Don't deny um, any of your insecurities. Uh, that's not a weakness. Seek support. You go to the VA, you go to uh, your VFW, just so many different other veteran advocacy, advocacy groups out there and support groups. Uh, seek them out and don't be afraid to find your um, a constructive outlet. So mine, for instance, is jujitsu. I, I love it. It's but it doesn't work for everybody. You know, some people's fishing, some people's CrossFit, whatever it may be. Find your own California mixed martial arts. Find the one thing that really makes you happy, a constructive outlet, and stick with it. And don't be afraid to you know throw yourself out there. And um, yeah, you might feel a little vulnerable at first, but kind of find out that other people are suffering the same way you are, and you're not alone. Don't ever forget that you're not alone. And if you start noticing that you're walking down, you know, that dark path, find somebody else because you shouldn't be walking down the dark path by yourself. Have them help you, guide you back into the light. Well, Louis, um, you're an amazing person, amazing friend, father. Um, I know myself and a lot of people, you know, you get this all the time, but, you know, we can't thank you enough for what you've done for the country. You know, with, with with your services. Thanks for the support, brother. And um, 
you know, I'm looking forward to many more years of uh, accomplishing goals and, and watching you grow, watching our families grow together. And um, anything else you got for our, uh, our listeners? No, you know what? If you're local, and this is a little plug here that I'll do, <laughs> come check us out, please. Again, my name is Louis Schwartz. Uh, you know, talk to me. Even even if you don't want to train, even if you just want to sit back and kind of watch it, um, that's fine. We'll sit back and we'll talk and, uh, you know, I'd like to get to know you guys. And I promise you that you will like what you see when you get here and you will find an amazing support network you never thought existed outside the military. That's amazing. Um, TJ, anything? Louis, would you like a sales job? <laughs> <laughs> I have enough jobs, honey. Thank you, though. Yeah, thank you so much, Lily. Um, I, I appreciate your friendship, and thank you so much for, for coming on the show, and I know your story is going to resonate with so many people. So thanks again, brother. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Don't forget your live life as a champion. Just getting there. <laughs> Just making sure. That's another episode of the Savage Hour podcast for us. Thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, as always, it is your choice to live life every day as a champion. Boy, sis, there's nothing. I don't know why you want to play with it. There's nothing you could do.